This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you once again to the Warning Radio program. As I promised you, we're going to now continue today and tomorrow with Apostle Don Beasley. Apostle Beasley pastors the Turning Point City Church uh, near Dixon, Illinois. A wonderful apostolic leader, a true Issachar. I want to continue where we left off yesterday. I mentioned we're going to talk more on the sons of Issachar. All we did was uh, just barely touch on it. And we're going to go a little deeper into going beyond yourself to victory. Now, I do want to read you a little bit from uh, Lieutenant General William Boykin. Uh, He says, the left's radical blueprint targeting Christians. The Secular Democrats for America organization is ramping up their anti-Christian campaign with what appears to be a welcoming seat at the table of the Biden-Harris administration. The organization has released its blueprint for transforming our nation. It will take a bulldozer to our religious foundations, our First Amendment rights, with the goal of destroying 240 years of American freedom. Their laundry list of changes includes dropping God from the Pledge of Allegiance and our national motto, ending government partnership with faith-based groups, including hospitals, abolishing conscience rights, canceling contracts with religious adoption in foster care centers, forbidding the mention of religion or God in federal businesses and offices, banning pastors from speaking on cultural issues, nominating judges that would put secularism ahead of legitimate First Amendment grievances, forcing government offices to check their faith at the door of public service, and 25 other pages of dangerous and unconstitutional ideas. Now, the irony is the radical left calls themselves non-religious but are demanding their religion, secularism, reign supreme in federal, state, and local governments. Their next target is your community. Now, we are hopeful they state on their website that soon there will be secular or free thought caucuses in legislative bodies throughout the country, unquote. It is a national top-to-bottom agenda aimed at any faith-based idea, organization, or tradition. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we can't allow this police state mentality to destroy our most cherished freedoms, to destroy 
the United States of America, to destroy us being a beacon, a light around the world, to destroy actually your families, to come against again your freedoms. And they want to incarcerate you and I if we don't go along with their agenda. Apostle Don Beasley, did you hear this insanity? Yes, I have. I've been listening to it. I've been seeing it more and more everywhere. Uh, I uh, I did some uh, series of messages called Cultural Collision back um, earlier this year. And the thing that I always find amazing is uh, atheists and people that don't have faith or whatever, how worried they are about God. Yeah. Um, they got to remove him from, you know, they want to remove him from everything. They don't believe in him, but they're scared to death of him. So that's because God's values, his, his character comes against their agenda. Right. So, and, the, God, and, the, and they know there's a lot of, there, there's a lot more believers uh, than people. Um, then, then they, they know how many believers there are and they can never get this stuff passed. So they have to force it down your throat. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and God or the Bible, the Bible is God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit documented in written form. You know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, his values, his word is absolute. It doesn't change with time or history or culture. It doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, right. today, and forever. Don? Amen. It is. Uh, yeah, that, you know, the thing about, What's interesting about the Word of God is, is as much as they try to, it's another thing, they don't, they think the Word of God is just a myth, there's nothing to it or whatever, but they want to get it completely out of culture because it has the power to transform people's thinking. Uh, so all this stuff they're supposedly, all these years, they've been lying about, they're not worried about this stuff or that stuff. And actually, they actually are more focused on that than their own agenda. Their own agenda is to remove God. And what's interesting, though, is that there's a, the Bible reveals the pattern in Romans one, uh, very it's very straightforward. Matter of fact, the question really that people ask is, what, how do we know what's real? And you know, then as we come into these times, the Bible is prophesied. It said that even the very elect would be deceived if it were possible. Yes, and the times had to be shortened. So I mean, that's a powerful statement when you realize, coming from Christ Himself, that that's how powerful of a delusion this will be uh, on people, and how you know, and then we see you know the cultural persuasion of you know people are scared to death that they won't be able to participate in this or that and so they follow these nonsensical things of you know the culture the cancel culture so well, we'll make a deal with this and we'll make a deal with that well at some point <laughs> you can't make that deal anymore and um because there's no deal left to be made you've given up everything that you have but you know jesus he said and when we asked what's real the, what's real is what's true and truth will always it will always win the day, but if it has a fair playing field. And so what we do is, the, the, the whole thing is, is one of the things that, you know, we talk about abomination and what God calls abomination. And, you know, we, you know, we get into sexual morality, especially what we, the same gender wars that are going on today with sodomy and whatever. And we say, we know that God says that's an abomination, but in Proverbs, God says that a, that a, a a lying scale is an abomination. Yes. When we manipulate how we weigh the truth. Totally. And and then mo removing of ancient boundaries is an abomination. Yes. And the ancient boundaries are the boundaries of truth that God has established through his word. Exactly. Um, and so those are abominations. And, you know, 
we get so caught up on certain abominations that we don't realize that while we're doing the very same things that are called abomination, they just pass through. And, and that's what creates this, imag- this awesome deception that's happening in people. But Jesus said, I am the truth. And so he becomes the Lord of truth in John chapter 14, 6. And, um, and then when Jesus was talking to um, Pilate, and Pilate asked him if he's the king of the Jews, and he said, it's right that you say that I am. And he said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, that is an interesting statement in, in John eight thirty seven. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me, which immediately drew from Pilate the question, what is truth? And then he goes, he immediately leaves Jesus and goes out and tries to tell the people, you don't want to kill this guy. I mean, he had never talked to anybody with that kind of authority. Truth has an authority of its own that cannot be, it cannot be manipulated or turned around. And so in John chapter four, Jesus says, we need to worship the father in spirit and truth for these are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. And so, you know, we have all this stuff going on theologically, but what's really interesting is it's spirit and truth. So we have one group of people that want to be all about doctrinal truth and, you know, that kind of thing. And so they get, and they get, they get incredibly mean spirited because you're, you're only half of what you need. And so you get the scribes and the Pharisees and whatever. So they have no spirit, but to all this truth. And so they actually assault Jesus. But on the other side, we have people today that are all about the spirit and want to, you know, dance around and hoot and holler and have a party. And while they don't care about the truth, you know, grace will cover the truth. Don't worry about that. And, but it says that God seeks both of those. And one of Jesus' favorite statements in the entire, in the entire and his entire ministry was, truly, truly, I say unto you, the truth. He, so he would say, truly, I say unto you. He said, you have heard it said, but I tell you. And so he was, Jesus came on. That's why he said, I'm the truth. So he, he, he was God's plumb line to theological doctrine of their day and ours today as well. That's right. And so he plumb lined the truth and he said, you've heard it said, like he said, you've heard it said, you know, don't do not murder. But he said, I'm telling you right now, if you call your brother a fool, you're a murderer. You know, he said, and he goes on to say, he said, if, if you don't look at a woman, he said, if you commit adultery, it's, it's wrong. But I'm telling you, don't look with a woman with lust in your heart. You committed adultery with her. So he tightened up the truth and all these things. And then he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, which he called the spirit of truth. John 14, 17. And in John 16, 13, he said, he will guide you into all truth. And he will comfort you with in truth. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is. So in Romans 1, now the pattern is, and this is the pattern that keeps getting repeated throughout time. And you'll see it every time you see people turn away from God where they, it says like as a nation changes gods. And that's what we're in the process of doing right now is our whole nation is trying to change its God and we're removing him. But here's what in Romans 1.18, it says, Romans 1 says that the wrath of God is being revealed against those. That's what it says there. It says uh, it's being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, and the first thing they do is suppress the truth. And that's been going on for years, suppressing the truth. And remember, so what we're doing when you're saying the truth is Jesus is the truth, it means that they're suppressing Jesus. They're suppressing him, his ministry, his name his work. And then it says in verse 25, they exchanged, even though they knew the truth, so they knew Jesus. They exchanged Jesus, the truth for a lie. And so there's a, 
when our culture we're changing so when it says like good is evil and evil is good what's happening in our culture is this exchange is going on where we're trying to exchange the truth for the lie and so we've seen like if you go back just 30 40 years ago the things that people are saying today that are morally right people would call you a lunatic if you said those things because they weren't morally right they're they're immoral and unjust and evil but today killing of innocent doing the things that we're all this stuff that we're doing is called and they say we're the moral we're the morality of our country you hear them saying that stuff all the time in politics and whatever when they're pushing these agendas this is the moral agenda and so they're exchanging the truth which then leads to the end where they reject the truth, where they actually reject Jesus and reject God. And so when I hear these statements, you know, I, that's what I line them up with is these scriptures that say this is what's going on. And so anyway, that's where I see that. And so what we need to do, what, what really need to do is we need to um, decree the truth. The truth needs to be exalted uh, in our in our lives, in our churches, from the pulpits, we need to exalt the truth. So we need to exalt Jesus Christ all the more. We need to delight in the truth in our own personal lives. We need to delight in Christ in our lives, Christ in our church, Christ in our homes, wherever we go. And then we need to embrace the truth and how we how we behave. So it's one thing to believe the truth; it's another thing to behave the truth. Well, you're you've you're, that you're exactly right. Culture. No, you're so anyway. You're exactly right, Don. I mean, um, again, it's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing, as you said, to embrace it or believe it or live it. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, they knew the scriptures. They knew the scriptures, but they did not embrace the truth, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And and Mm -hmm. so that is actually, when you don't embrace the truth, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit documented in a written form, when you don't embrace the scriptures or God, that is grieving the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. You're grieving. The, you know, people say, what's the unpardonable sin? Well, just continue to reject the truth until the Holy Spirit cannot convict you because you've rejected him constantly. That's a seared conscience. You're the walking dead and you don't even know it. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what happens when people talk about like unpardonable or unforgivable sin or whatever. In that passage there, when Jesus is talking, he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees who should have recognized him. Exactly. And they didn't. And what they did is that not only did they not recognize him, they they actually said, you are the son of Beelzebub. You're the spirit of the devil himself. Exactly. And that's when Jesus said, you should be very careful, guys. He didn't say they actually committed that sin. Yeah, yeah. He, because you can repent. And if you repent, you can be forgiven. But he said, the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can convict you of the sin and reveal the reality of who I am to you. And when you shut him off, you have absolutely no prayer of knowing who I am. Well, that's you it. Have no hope of being redeemed. That's it. And only and God knows. He brings conviction. Only God knows when that point comes. But if you continue to reject right. the Holy Spirit, continue, 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 he finally doesn't come back. And that is the unpardonable sin. That's called a seared conscience. Again, right. only God knows that time when it happens, but uh, it's dangerous ground. Absolutely. It's dangerous ground for a person who to come to church calling themselves a Christian but rejecting the truth as you're teaching it or preaching it, Don. Oh, it's a, it is. And like I hear people this, I, I, there's a common statement that I hear that just makes me, it gives me, it gives me chills when I hear people say it. You'll read something from the Bible and then they'll just, they'll just say, I don't believe that. Yeah. 
I'm like, oh, what, Whoa. What, what's that got to do with anything? Yeah. I mean, uh, that doesn't change anything just because you don't believe it. Yeah. It's like saying, I don't believe you, God, or I don't accept you, God. I, I don't care about your values. Right. He's going to do what I want him to do. And see, I think that's what, that's what we've done in, in this gospel that we have preached, you know, this grace. You know, when you go back and you look at Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when they ask him, how did people come to embrace Hitler's regime and all that was going on? And you know what he said? His first statement was, is that because of the teaching of easy grace in the pulpits. That's right. That's exactly right. That's what he said caused it. When we, we stopped preaching this gospel, and today we have that going on where we're, we, we have we, we have separated belief from behavior and not understanding that you know we talk even like in the Bible faith and belief is pistis and pistuio that's two of the Greek words for it and one is a noun and one is a verb faith is the noun and believe is the verb and so the belief means you have to do something you can't you cannot a verb can't sit still it's a, a verb is in action and so when you be when you have faith in God, you believe. Yes, that means you do something. You belief has to do something, and to say that you believe and has no action involved to it is dead belief. What that's what James called dead faith. Yes, because it has no action. That's what he compared it to. Sure. So here you have one of the first apostles of Jesus Christ, and today, if he was alive today, he would be called a heretic. Yes. <laughs> That's I right. Mean, because we just don't believe that part of the Bible. Yes. And and, and when you read, when you go through the Bible and you look in all everywhere in the Bible, when you Matthew twenty five, Matthew seven, all the places where you stand before the Lord and you're judged, there's to the Matthew seven, they they he said, Depart from me, you workers workers of iniquity. And they said, Well, we we cast out demons, we did this, did that. He said, But I don't know you. So they were making claim to their actions, not their belief. Yes. You know, and then in the Matthew 25, when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, he used action to separate them. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you comforted me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And, it, and, and the other people said, when? And he said, when you didn't do it, you didn't do it for me. And so they were separated from sheep from goats because of the fact that they did not do what they believed. They said, I believe in you, but I do not follow you. Amen. And so today we have, and so when, you know, when we talk about all this stuff today, nobody wants to talk about that because we get, we, we almost talk of works of doing what we believe as if though there's some special place in heaven that has a, has a, you know, a, a three ring circus slide to hell because you try, you worked out your faith, which the Bible commands us to work out our faith with fear and trembling. We said we can't add anything to our faith, but Peter in chapter, you know, Peter says, add to your faith. Yes. Diligently add to your faith. Yes. These things. Yes. Because they'll keep you from failing. And so we have a, we have created, we have created out of this, I mean, pure cloth, a gospel that is not in the Bible. You're right. That is, and you know, and that's what's led to where we are today. The reason that what's going on today is the fault of, of faulty pulpits and faulty theology from pulpits. So far, now we get into the place where there's people, they don't believe in hell. They only believe in heaven. That's like saying you don't believe in gravity. And I tell people, that's okay. You don't have to believe in gravity. You go ahead and jump off the building. Yes. You'll have a great time falling, but that sudden stop's going to really hurt. That's right. And you'll become a great believer in gravity when you hit. 
you know, that, that might be a solution, Don, have all these progressives <laughs> jump off this skyscraper. <laughs> And, uh, well, I don't, I don't uh, want to hurt anybody. What uh, I want them to do is jump off and scare them, and we'll uh, save them before they get hurt, but we'll lead them to Jesus. Oh, that, <laughs> that's that's good. That's good. But I'll tell you what, that would solve the problem. It, it, I'll tell you what, if they don't come to the Lord while there is grace, there's going to be a lot worse than just jumping off the building. Oh, uh, yeah. There's eternal yeah, separation yeah. from God. Absolutely. And But uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, the, the Word of God, I, I've been studying a book by Watchman Nee, The Ministry of God's Word, and it's powerful, powerful. If you haven't read it, uh, I would advise anybody listening right now, The Ministry of God's Word by Watchman Nee. And he really goes into this, how the Word of God, you know, the, the apostles, the prophets, they, they taught the Old Testament, yet today we want to nullify the Old Testament. That's what they preached from. That's what they taught from. Now, they didn't right. continue to explain the truths in the New Testament because it was already established. They already exactly. thought you knew what it said, and you agreed with those statutes and, and uh, laws of God, the character of God. They didn't have to repeat it. It's like if you take trigonometry or something, uh, they don't have to go over basic math. You've already learned it. But people want to nullify the character, the morality, uh, the laws of God that keep us free from sin and death. Don? Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's just, uh, um, it's just where we are, you know, I mean, and where we've been, we've been headed here for a long time. And, uh, but, you know, I think that there's going to be a massive separation happening right now between the faithful ministers of the word as all this stuff begins to happen. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, when you say, like if you have, if everybody in your culture is a drug addict, a thief or a liar or whatever, then your culture collapses. That's right. Because it can't, it can't withstand the weight of that. You're right. But when you, when you have a, a righteous and a holy culture that's walking and living out God and they're being blessed by God or whatever, around the edges, you can have all that stuff, but it can't become the center and the heart of your culture. Right. So like when I was growing up, culture was a, a boundary that kept you from going too far. Yes. I mean, you, 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 it just, there was, you had to cross, it was hard to cross that boundary into what we would consider to be evil. And, uh, it would, they would, they would remind, they would keep your conscience reminded, you know, that this is not right. Today, yeah. culture seems to be the, and culture was a larger circle when I was growing up. It was, you know, even though you may not agree politically and all this stuff, that right and wrong is still right and wrong. That's exactly right. And then as, as I grew up through, you know, 30 years of time or whatever, and then the next thing, you know, the cultural circle and the influence of Christianity and the morals of God gets smaller and smaller because, and it's not because culture didn't do it. The church did it because the church, the preaching from our pulpits decided that that was legalism. It was all, and named it all kinds of names. And they, and they just kept making the cultural the heart of culture smaller and smaller and smaller because the preaching, the faithful preaching from the pulpits is the conscience of a nation. Yes, it is. So the Bible says, blesses the nations whose God is the Lord because of the, the preaching from the pulpits creates this consciousness that, that even though people may not believe or embrace what's going on, that it, 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 it seeds their conscience with the truth of God. And that's why they want to make laws against speaking the truth. Absolutely. And so then as I got older, the cultural circle got smaller and it got so small that actually culture's job began to change. Culture wanted to push you out of the center of this moral part and push you into immorality. And they did it by claiming that it was amoral. 
it was neither right nor wrong. It was just was something, nothing, whatever. And everybody, if you were a moral person, you knew there was not anything such as amorality. There is, it's either moral or immoral. That's right. It's not, it's not neutral. Yes. Uh, you know, like the, today they want to do like guns and everything. Guns are neutral. That's right. It's, it's whether the person on the handle is moral or immoral. <laughs> That's right. It's got the trigger. And that will change the difference between, you know, uh, evil and righteousness. You know, Don, in, in Rwanda, I, I've, I've been there. I have went and spoke to the government. Uh, you know, they had a genocide. God gave me a word, and they listened to the word, and it brought peace. But uh, in they all, they stripped the people of their weapons. And, and so they just had rocks and pangas. But in three months, they killed 1.3 million people because the heart has to change. And when oh, the heart turns evil, it doesn't matter if you use a rock or a gun or a knife. It doesn't matter. You've got murder in your heart. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Warning Radio Program. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I've had Apostle Don Beasley. Again, he pastors that uh, great church, Turning Point City Church, uh, Dixon, Illinois. If you're in the area, attend his church. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed today. It's been rich. We're going to continue tomorrow, and we're going to actually get into the Sons of Issachar. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.